I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, it's Amy McDonald's Welcome to this edition of the Arsenal Audio Programme. Arsenal versus Crystal Palace, Thursday, January the 14th, 2021. Kick-off 8pm. The contents. The manager, Mikel Arteta. The captain, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Voice of Arsenal. Player feature, William Borges da Silva. Convertible currency. Community. Forward Arsenal. 14 times. My story. Match action. West Bromwich Albion versus Arsenal. Arsenal Academy. Arsenal women. Visitors, Crystal Palace. My Arsenal. And teams. Manager's Notes. Mikel Arteta. We have a lot of games coming up now. Some important ones too so we need to really establish our home form. We've had some issues at the Emirates, and now it's time to get some wins here. We've got two home games in a row in the next few days, and home form is going to be key for the future of our season. Obviously, after four wins, everything looks better, and we're looking forward to the games more now. We want to keep that consistency and carry on with the belief that we can go into every game feeling we are going to win it. The more games we can win, the better that feeling is going to be. We have got another big challenge tonight in Crystal Palace. They are a really dangerous side and they've shown that against big teams. They are really compact and organised and so we know what to expect. They have players with big individual talent that just need moments to win games, to create actions that can unbalance the game, so we have to be very careful with that. Then we have to play to be dominant again in the game. We have to go from the first minute to try to win the game, to attack them and be cautious as well of the strengths that they have and to try to control them as much as possible. They have very specific players in positions that reinforces their way of playing. Roy Hodgson always makes things difficult. They might have lost some games lately, but for me that's not a real consequence of what they are as a team. Every game in the Premier League is tough. It doesn't matter what particular form any team might be in, Every side in the Premier League has the quality to win at any time and I know they have a spirit in the dressing room and the willingness to put things right. So we have to be really, really ready to go and win again. 
It's great to come up against Roy Hodgson again, because if I could use one word to describe what he has done in the game, it would be exceptional. I would love to be able to manage for as long as he has. Also, I have got so much admiration for the way he has done it as well. His charisma, his personality, the way he approaches people, the way he is as a person, and what he has achieved as a coach, it's just exceptional. I have only been in this job for a short period, but I can only imagine doing it that long. It's an incredible achievement, so my hat is off, because you need to have something really special and have really special people around you to achieve that. I heard a lot of coaches when they start say they are only going to do it for five or six years maximum, and then all of a sudden they have been there 15 or 20 years, and they're still there. It's an addictive job. Winning obviously helps, and it was great to keep the momentum up on Saturday in the FA Cup. We had to be patient against Newcastle. They defended well and made it difficult to play through them, but we had the chances. We had very big chances to score, in fact, and as long as you don't get the first goal, the game stays open. When that happens, you need your keeper in a key moment, and that's exactly what Bernd Leno did on the counter-attack in the last minute of the 90. It was magnificent, and then we were able to score twice in extra time, which we deserved. Emil Smith-Rowe scored the first. I've been impressed with his performances since he came into the team, and also the capacity he's shown to do it in consecutive games. That is not that common with young players, usually. Against Newcastle, he came into the game when we needed a different energy and a threat in the box. He did exactly what we expected. He scored too, which is something that we've been talking to him about. I left Orba on for the full game too, and he got his goal, and I think it was really important for him to do that. He played it nicely at the end, and I'm delighted for him, because he's been working so hard, and he deserves it. At the time of writing these notes, we don't know what the results of the scan on Gabriel Martinelli's ankle are yet, but we have got good news about Thomas Partey. He was close to playing last Saturday, but we were a bit cautious with him, though he should be ready for today. Gabby in defence is also close, so that's another positive. It's great to have them available again as we go into these two crucial games over the next few days. This match and the one on Monday are vital to see the direction that we are taking and to reinforce all the things that we've improved on lately. Let's keep the run going. Thanks for all your continued support. Captain's Notes, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. We played a good game on Saturday. The FA Cup is always really important for us, and of course for me personally. I was happy to score. To be honest with you, the last few weeks have been tough for me. The whole year was about improving, and it was really, really hard. And I think we gave a lot as a team. We gave everything towards the end of last season to win the FA Cup and qualify for the Europa League. Because we were all aware just how important it is for the club. And for ourselves too. And then from the beginning of the season, I was struggling with my form a little bit. Actually, maybe more than a little bit. But I think it's part of football. Sometimes you have your ups and downs and you have to manage it the best you can. I tried my best and up until now, it was maybe not my best performance for me. But now I think I'm positive and I know that I can turn it around. That's what I'm trying to do, but the team is the most important thing. We've got back to winning ways, and we are happier now. As I've said before, I am someone who likes to lead by example. So sometimes it can be really hard to manage your own form, and the captaincy at the same time. 
but I know it's really important to stay positive as because the team needs me. And it's true that the last month or so was hard, but that doesn't stop me from trying to give it my best, not only during the games, but also away from that, around the training ground and in the dressing room with the rest of the guys. It can be hard to do that every day. If you're maybe not in the right mood or you have to find something in you to change and it gives positive vibes for you guys, that's what I've tried to do. I've tried to do my best. I'm always speaking with my teammates, but I'm usually in the dressing room when I do that, especially when it's one-on-one. I'm not the guy to scream and stuff like that. I try and stay cool, calm, and I can be quite quiet, but I like to give my advice when we are training or in the dressing room. So, sure, being in good old forms attaches that in your life. Away from football, things can be easier when you are doing well. During the tough times, all you can do is work hard and show everybody that you're still here. And even if you're not scoring, that's my aim, to be alongside my teammates and with them all the time. I appreciate their support too, and now we want to keep our run going in a good, positive way. Crystal Palace are a tough team and they've got some really good players and they've had some really tough games against them in the past. For us, we want to be strong at home again and follow the standards that we have set here lately. If we can get a couple of wins in these next few against Palace and Newcastle, then the situation in the league can quickly start to improve. We are not so far from the top six, so this is our moment to get back in the competition. We've worked hard to win our last few games after a really tough spell for us, but we can't let that stop now. We've improved our position because everybody was giving more than 100%, and that's the standard that we have to follow. Also, you need a bit of luck to turn things round. We played some games quite well in that period, but something like a red card can change the game. We kept going, we kept positive, and we have found something good, something that scores goals which is what's making the difference for us. I'm really pleased for Emil too because he had the injury to his shoulder, but he stayed positive too and now he's back on top. We're all happy for him because he's a humble guy. He works hard and he can be quiet and shy, but I've spoken to him a few times and they're all young players. I try and give them advice when they need it. Lacquer played a big part in that first goal on Saturday too. He keeps doing everything at the moment, talking of being positive, he always is, he loves the game, and we become like brothers over the last three years. He really helped me settle in when I first joined the club, so maybe now I need to give him some more assists on the pitch. Hopefully this year I can do that for him. We are continuing to grow our relationship on the pitch, and I think it's getting stronger. We both support each other all the time. We're not rivals on the pitch, so I think it's going to get even stronger now. On behalf of the whole team... Thanks for your support, and come on, you gunners. Voice of Arsenal. Southampton or Shrewsbury in the FA Cup. Following our win over Newcastle on Saturday in the third round of the Emirates FA Cup, supporters will have watched Monday night's fourth and fifth round draws with interest. As we aim to retain the cup, Our next challenge will be a trip to either Southampton or Shrewsbury Town, whose match at St Mary's at the weekend was postponed due to a Covid outbreak. No new date has been finalised for their fixture, 
However, in theory, it needs to be played before the FA Cup fourth round weekend on Saturday, January 23rd. Southampton are regular opponents for the Gunners and we'll be hoping to take inspiration from our last FA Cup tie against them when we won 5-0 at St Mary's on our way to the 2017 Cup triumph. Shrewsbury, on the other hand, are a very rare opponent. We entertained them at Emirates in 2011 in the League Cup, 1-3-1, and our last trip to Shropshire was in the FA Cup in 1991, when we won 1-0. Our only previous games against the Shrews came in the 1967-68 FA Cup fourth round, when Arsenal won 2-0 in a replay after a 1-1 draw in Shrewsbury. Both games in 1968 and 1991 were played at Shrewsbury's famous old Gay Meadow Stadium. If we were to play them in the next round, we would see action in their new Montgomery Waters Meadow Stadium. As mentioned, the game is scheduled to be played on the weekend of Saturday, January the 23rd, but the congested situation with fixtures means this can't be confirmed currently. If we are successful in the fourth round, we would be on our travels again to the victors of the tie between Chorley and Wolves. Nuno Espirito Santo's team will be strong favourites. However, Chorley have already excelled in the competition, beating York City, Wigan, Peterborough and most recently Championship Club Derby County to reach the fourth round and earn a home time against Wolves. Fifth round matches are due to be played Tuesday stroke Wednesday, February 9th stroke 10th. There are no replays. Programme of the Season Winners Like all aspects of football, it's been a challenging time for the world of matchday programmes and the Arsenal programme team were delighted to receive some good news recently. The Northern Programme Club is a respected organisation in the football publishing industry and they recently voted our publication as Programme of the Season for 2020-21. Alan Hope, Chairman of the MPC, commented The Arsenal programme has always been of the highest standard, finishing in the top three in every one of our 13 annual competitions since the inaugural awards back in 2008. During this difficult season, Arsenal have again set the highest standards with its matchday publication. In an uncertain market, you and your team of contributors have produced another marvellous programme which has been the standout issue throughout the country. The content is first-rate while maintaining the flavours and appearance of a traditional football programme, which is important. The front cover images used this season have been of the highest standard, providing the programme with a strong opening page steeped in Arsenal tradition. There are a number of impressive and informative features included throughout, which bind together an excellent selection of both contemporary and historical themes, while not overindulging in large empty spaces within its pagination. Wolverhampton Wanderers came runners-up to the Gunners, with Tottenham Hotspur in third place. The programme team would like to take this opportunity to thank everyone who has continued to support the publication, by purchasing via Arsenal Direct, in the Armoury shops, and even, briefly, from the programme sellers for the match against Burnley. We would also like to thank the many supporters who have contributed to the programme this season. For our My Arsenal feature, or by sending in their ideas and opinions concerning the programme. We always love to hear from you. Well done, William. Congratulations to William Saliba, who was voted Man of the Match in only his second game of his loan spell with Nice. 
The central defender excelled in a 1-1 draw away to Metz as Nice tried to push into the top half of the table. Matt Macy joins Hibernian. Goalkeeper Matt Macy has joined Scottish Premiership side Hibernian. The 26-year-old joined us in October 2013 from Bristol Rovers, where he had been involved in their first team squad at the age of 17. During his career with us, Matt made two first team appearances, both in the 2017-18 season. The first was in a 2-1 win over Norwich City in the EFL Cup. The second came in a 0-0 home draw against Red Star Belgrade in the Europa League. He enjoyed a number of loan spells, most recently a successful period with Plymouth Argyle for the 2018-19 season, during which time he was a regular for the Pilgrims in League One. During the past two seasons, Matt has been a regular in the first-team matchday squad. After last season's restart and following Bernd Leno's injury, he was on the bench for every Premier League and Emirates FA Cup match, collecting a winner's medal as part of the matchday squad for the final win over Chelsea at Wembley in August. Matt made a good start to life north of the border, starting in Hibs 1-1 draw against Celtic on Monday. From everyone at Arsenal, we would like to thank Matt for his contribution to the club and wish him all the best for the next chapter in his career at Easter Road. Bukeo Blockbuster, Goal of the Month Bukeo Saka's sensational strike against Chelsea was voted our December Goal of the Month, following a poll on Arsenal.com. Our teenage forward received a pass from Emil Smith-Rowe before driving into the box and firing into the far top corner. Mohamed Elneny's 30-yard thunderbolt against Dundalk finished in second place. Granit Xhaka's sublime free kick against Chelsea was just edged out into third spot. Programme ITK Arsenal are unbeaten against Crystal Palace in January. The five previous games are as follows. January 27th, 1934 Arsenal 7, Crystal Palace 0 January 1st, 1990 Arsenal 4, Crystal Palace 1 January 1st, 2017 Arsenal 2, Crystal Palace 0 January 20th, 2018 Arsenal 4, Crystal Palace 1 January 11th, 2020 Crystal Palace 1, Arsenal 1 Arsenal manager Mikel Arteta and Crystal Palace's James MacArthur did battle in midfield when the Gunners beat Wigan Athletic in the 2014 FA Cup semi-final after a penalty shootout. Both Mikel and James stepped up in the shootout, and both scored. When it comes to Arsenal playing Premier League games on a Thursday at Emirates Stadium, the Gunners will be hoping to get back to winning ways. We've played four matches here on a Thursday in the Premier League, winning 3-1 at West Ham on Boxing Day 2013 and beating West Brom 2-0 on April 21st 2016. On March 1st 2018, we lost 3-0 to Manchester City and last season we also succumbed 2-1 to Brighton on December 5th 2019. Arsenal, league champions, 1930-31. 1932-33, stroke 1933-34, stroke 1934-35, stroke 1937-38, stroke 1947-48, stroke 1952-53, stroke 1970-71, stroke 1988-89, stroke 
FA Cup winners 1930, 1936, Charity Community Shield winners 1930, Fairs Cup winners, 1969-70. European Cup Winners Cup winners, 1993-94. FA Youth Cup winners, 1996-1971-1988-1994-2000-2001-2009. Arsenal Football Club. 75 Drayton Park, London, N51BU. Telephone 0207 619 5000. Website www.arsenal.com. Email program at arsenal.co.uk. Twitter at AFC Program. Directors Lord Harris of Peckham, Stan Crunker, Josh Crunker, Tim Lewis. Secretary, David Miles. Life President, Ken Fryer, OBE. Chief Executive Officer, Vinay Venkatesham. Technical Director, Edu. Manager, Mikel Arteta. Ref Watch, Andre Mariner from the West Midlands is our referee tonight. Andre has officiated two Gunners games this season. The Community Shield shootout victory over Liverpool and the 2-1 defeat at Goodison Park against Everton in December. A Premier League referee since 2004, Andre's first Arsenal appointment was a 3-1 win for the Gunners against Manchester City at the Etihad on February 2, 2008. Adebayor 2, Eduardo. With a tendency to keep his cards in his pocket, Andre has yet to issue a red card this season. He has now gone 26 games in the Premier League without a dismissal. Aston Villa games postponed. The current COVID-19 crisis caused two fixtures to be postponed at the weekend against Aston Villa. Arsenal women's match in Walsall on Saturday was postponed due to a number of our staff self-isolating following one positive test for COVID-19. The academy's under-18 Premier League South teams match away to Aston Villa at their Bodymore Heath training ground on Saturday was also postponed. This game could not be played due to Aston Villa requiring a large number of their squad for the FA Cup tie against Liverpool on the Friday night. New dates have not been confirmed for either fixture. They will feature in a future programme as soon as we have details.
player feature, Willian. Willian has pretty much seen it all throughout his career to date, so the Brazilian will be drawing on his huge experience over the second part of the season as he aims to recapture the form that made him one of the league's standout players of the past few years. The 32-year-old had a superb start to life at Arsenal, contributing two assists in a fine debut performance against Fulham on the opening day of the season. But he admits he struggled to find his best form since then, as he continues to adapt to life with his new club. The Brazil international winger has come through adversity before and is confident of doing so again. He was still a teenager when he first moved to Europe to play for Shakhtar Donetsk, and although he endured a tough few months in the Ukraine, it was a challenge he relished, and he went on to have six hugely successful seasons there before moving to the Premier League in 2013. He says the help of his fellow Brazilian teammates helped him back then, and he has a similar cohort of compatriots supporting him this time round. The Matchday programme caught up with Willian last week to reflect upon his first five months at the club. First of all, Willian, tell us how you found your first few months with Arsenal. Well, it's never easy changing club, especially after being somewhere for so long. I was at Chelsea for seven years before coming to Arsenal, and then you have a new club, new people, a new philosophy. Things are different, so I'm still adapting, but I feel good. I have been learning a lot, a new footballing philosophy. Everyone is great here. I know I can improve a lot, and of course, my performances on the pitch can be a lot better. Why do you think you haven't been able to produce your best form yet? To be honest, sometimes it can be difficult to explain. The first game was great for me against Fulham. I had a good performance and gave two assists. And then, I don't know, I'm always trying to do my best. Sometimes things just don't go the way you want. I have to say, it's a part of football and a part of life. Sometimes you have good moments, other times you have bad moments. You have to learn from that. And right now, I know I'm far away from being at my best, but I'm determined to work hard and change this. Have you spoken much with the manager about it? Of course, we talk about lots of things together, and I know I have his support. That's great for me, and to have the support of the club. So what I can do is always work hard, give my best in training to try and improve myself. This is the only way to get back to good performances. You have plenty of Brazilians around you at the club as well. Have they been helping you settle into life at Arsenal? Yes, it's really great to have that. The two Gabbies, who I got to know very well here, but then also, of course, David. We have been friends for a very long time. That's great, and the relationship between us is really good. And of course, that really helps to have these people close with you every day at the club. But it's not just the Brazilian players. We have a very good spirit, and there is a very good feeling within the whole squad. You spoke a lot about Gabby Martinelli when you signed. Now you've had a chance to train alongside him. What do you make of him? Well, first, it's really great to see him back from injury. He's a player with a lot of quality, a great balance and the expectation to become one of the best players at the club and in the Premier League as well. He is still only 19. Does it remind you of when you went to Shakhtar Donetsk at the same age? Yes, I was 19 too. And it's true, it can be difficult to be in a new country, a different continent when you don't speak the language as well. It is similar because for me too, I also had a lot of Brazilian players around me at the time. That helped me a lot, but the first few months were difficult and you have to get through that. The language, the weather. It was cold there in the winter, very cold, much, much colder than England. This lockdown period must make it difficult to settle at the new club as well. 
How has it been for you and your family? We are good. We are healthy, which is the most important thing. It's a difficult moment for everybody in the country, though. We have to take the positives, and we are spending more time together as a family, having all of our meals together and being at home more. We are doing more things together, but I also have a family in Brazil who, of course, I can't see. My dad is over there, and that's difficult for us. But as I said, there are some positives we have to take. Usually, as a footballer, you spend a lot of time travelling and staying in hotels with the team. So now we are at least getting to have more time with our families. But I never forget that I'm privileged to be a footballer, and I never take this for granted. It's a difficult time for everyone in the world right now, and my thoughts continue to be with those who have lost loved ones and those who are experiencing difficult circumstances in their lives. The team started the new year well in the league. What are your hopes now for the rest of the season? We need to keep playing our football the same way that we have recently. I think we have to continue on that way because we can improve every week and still achieve our goals. We want to get back to the top of the Premier League. It's still possible for us to win trophies this season, so that's our aim. The Europa League starts again next month. There are still lots of games to play this season. I know that this squad is capable of winning more trophies. They showed it last season before I arrived in the FA Cup. I think we're getting stronger all the time. We have got very good players, and there's no doubt we have a squad to win things. Let's take it step by step, and we will get there. If you look at the league table, it's so close. We know we are low down the table, but in fact, we are still only ten points off the top. Of course, that's more than we want at this stage, but also it's not too much that we can't aim for it. If you can win three or four consecutive games, you can quickly be there, moving up. We have to go for it now in the second half of the season. Convertible currency. Football historian John Sperling looks at the evolution of Arsenal players' position, past and present. Carlo Toure, power in any position. At Carlo Toure's Arsenal trial session in February 2002, he gave a strong indication of his fierce commitment to the cause from the off. Midfielder Ray Parler recounted how, during a period of pattern play, Carlo removed both Thierry Henry and Dennis Bergkamp from the equation with two fearsome tackles during a practice match resulting in the Gunners' world-class forwards needing medical attention from physiotherapist Gary Lewin. Parler recalled, Arsene Wenger says, Colo, what are you doing? Don't tackle, don't tackle. He just wanted him to stand there. Colo said, oh, sorry, sorry. Then, while chasing a loose ball, Toure inadvertently crashed into Arsene Wenger, who was watching the training session from the middle of the pitch, Yes, even as the Arsenal manager joined Henri and Bergkamp in requiring an ice pack on his ankle, Wenger informed Parler that he'd sign the trialist tomorrow, and so began the versatile Colo Toure's eventful Arsenal career, all for the bargain basement fee of just £150,000. Toure joined from Ivorian side ASEC Mimosas, which also produced talents including Kola's brother Yaya and future Arsenal players Gervinho and Emmanuel Ebue. Toure made his Gunners debut during the 2002-3 campaign, and although not a permanent fixture in the side, he notched up 16 full appearances and two goals from midfield. 
Toure was also a regular substitute as Arsenal narrowly missed out on retaining their league title, but did retain the FA Cup. During that first season at Arsenal, I was so keen to prove myself that I sometimes lost focus and concentration. Wenger highlighted Toure's battling qualities, praising his commitment and determination against any opponent. Wenger later explained how difficult it is for a young man, Toure was only 21, to acclimatise to a new level of intensity in a new country. Wenger had been impressed with the timing, effectiveness and ferocity of Toure's tackles and, after veteran Martin Keown told Wenger of how open and adaptable Toure was to feedback, the Arsenal manager decided to move him into central defence for the 2003-4 campaign to partner Sol Campbell. In part, it was due to Keown's seasoned status, meaning that he would inevitably play fewer matches, but Wenger believed that with Toure's skill on the floor, he would complement the aerially dominant Campbell. The partnership dovetailed perfectly from the off, as Arsenal rampaged through the league campaign unbeaten. After seeing off Middlesbrough, Everton, Aston Villa and Manchester City in August, Campbell argued, Kohler has been fantastic. He's come in and proved to be worth his weight in gold. It was quite incredible to see the rapid improvement in Toure's game. Using his pace and power on the deck, he was able to track back, bringing the ball out of defence confidently and dispatch a pass to teammates with aplomb. Toure was modest about the improvements to his game, insisting, because Patrick Vieira and Gilberto are so strong in their game, they often drop back to double up as central defenders when needed. Vieira returned the compliment. One of the successes of our season has been the way in which Sol and Colo are willing to push forward and support the attack. It's hardly surprising, given that Sol was once a forward and Colo a midfielder. They are very strong in all areas of the pitch, not just defence. Toure only missed two league matches and was similarly consistent in the 2004-5 campaign as Arsenal again won the FA Cup. Despite Saul Campbell's absence for much of the 2005-6 campaign, Toure's Champions League performances remained at a high level and the Ivorian scored the crucial goal at Highbury as Arsenal nicked a 1-0 win in the semi-final against Villarreal and then played a man-of-the-match role as the Gunners withstood a second-half onslaught in the return leg in Spain to progress to the final. Toure's highly successful seven-year Arsenal career ended in 2009 with a move to Manchester City, and he admitted, playing in three different positions at Arsenal, he also turned out at right-back on a few occasions, helped me understand more deeply the roles of players in other positions. John Radford, striker to goalkeeper, and back again. When, with 22 minutes remaining, Arsenal goalkeeper Bob Wilson fell to the turf in agony during a feisty 1972 FA Cup semi-final with Stoke City at Villa Park, there was no goalkeeping replacement on the bench. So the gloves were handed to imposing Gunners forward John Radford, who, skipper Frank McClintock reflected, likes to leap around in training. On the face of it, Radford's was a daunting assignment. Tony Waddington's side was keen to avenge their defeat in the previous year's semi-final, 
But despite them throwing the kitchen sink at Arsenal in the dying minutes, the Gunners' new custodian between the sticks and his defence stood firm, holding out for a 1-1 draw. In the replay, with Jeff Barnett in goal, the Yorkshire-born Radford was restored to his customary position up front, and the striker-come-goalkeeper-come-striker had the last word, scoring Arsenal's winner. Stoke's persistent protests that Charlie George was offside in the build-up were ignored by linesman Bod Mathewson, who, as it turned out, had confused a white-coated programme seller on the touchline with a Stoke player, with the Potters playing in their all-white away kit. Community Take a look at part one of our 2020 review in pictures from the Communities Department's Twitter throughout this unique and challenging year. January, day two of the FA Level 1 course for parents and volunteers, the focus, holistic approach to coaching through a long-term team development. 2nd of January, two of our Arsenal community students spoke today at hashtag Holocaust Memorial Day event at Islington Borough Council about their recent visit to Auschwitz concentration camp. February the 3rd, thank you to Ains Seven and Joe Willock for visiting our group at New River College at Islington earlier this week, keeping an eye on Football Focus on at BBC One today to see what they got up to. Hashtag, we are the Arsenal. 4th of February, briefing time here at Market Road, the other home of the football in Islington for the participating schools, hashtag PL Primary Schools Tournament. 5th of February, Fleet Primary School Year 3, loved their World Book Day workshop with at Arsenal Football Club Community and at Gunnosaurus. 6th, March, out on the road, Proud to be Arsenal in the community, volunteers who are helping to transport NHS workers around North London at Arsenal Football Club Community and at CL underscore NHS. Forward Arsenal, Hector Bellerin. Arsenal Football Club prides itself on always looking forward so we're asking our players to gaze into the future to see what's on the horizon. How good are you at planning your week in advance? Do you give yourself a schedule? Something I started doing last year during the first quarantine is planning my next day on the evening before. I've got into the habit of making sure that I've done everything I needed to do during the day. Because during the first lockdown, when we obviously had a less of a schedule and there was no football, I really struggled at times, so I've started going to bed earlier and getting up earlier the following day, before I just used to get up about an hour before training and then go straight to the training ground. But now I get up between 6.30am and 7am and I get to do all the things I need to do before setting off. So whether that's just reading or journaling or any of the other work I'm doing off the pitch. But generally before I go to bed, I always try to plan the next day out. Obviously, we also have a team schedule as well, but usually we know that two weeks in advance, so it means I can start planning around that. How are you finding your new routine? 
Is it a struggle to get up early? No, it's really good. At the beginning it was a bit of a struggle, but one of the secrets to making it work is to include something that you really like doing as part of that early morning routine. So what I like to do is take a coffee and write down in my journal for half an hour. That could be something I did the day before, what I dreamed about that night, or anything else that's in my mind really. I really enjoy that process so when I wake up, I look forward to doing that over my coffee. That makes it easier to wake up early. Also, at this time of year when there is less daylight, I prefer to go to bed earlier and get up earlier because then you feel like you have seen more daytime. If it's a nice day as well, it gives me time to go for a walk before training, see some nature, so I'm really enjoying it. How far forward do you tend to look and plan your time? I think generally if I know that we've got a day off or a free afternoon coming up, I like to plan for that. It all depends on our training and playing schedule, of course, which can also get changed late as well. Sometimes we train in the afternoon, sometimes in the morning, so everything is around that. It means you can't really plan more than a week in advance, so that's what I do. Though I can plan a bit for summer when I know I will have some time off. I tend to just focus weekly and not look too far ahead. I always remember when I went on loan to Watford. It was only on the Friday that Terry Burton came to me and said, Watford want you on loan, do you want to go? And then the next day I was in the squad for them. So everything can change overnight, in football especially. Do you have anything in your schedule that you are particularly looking forward to? What I'm looking forward to most at the moment is hopefully seeing my family if they can come from Spain at some point. I haven't been able to see them for six or seven months. I have a little nephew, and I haven't been able to enjoy any time with him, so that would be great, because he's growing up so quickly. Away from football, there are a few projects that I'm working on, and I'm really excited about when they come out, but unfortunately I can't talk too much about them just yet. I know a lot of players go through life looking forward to the summer, when they can do something away from football, but I'm not like that. I like to have other interests through the season too. I feel so lucky that I get to do what I love doing every day, so I enjoy every day. Looking ahead to the end of your career, what do you want to do when you stop playing? I have thought about that many, many times. It feels like the end of your career can come quickly. I've spoken to players that are on the verge of retiring or have just stopped and they've been like, wow, I need to think about my future now. So it's always been something that's in my mind, and I'm also someone who likes to explore different things and new activities. I have to say I've got lots of hobbies and different interests, but right now I'm not too sure what I'd like to do in the future. What is clear in my mind, though, is I'm not going to be just somebody who retires to sit around at home and enjoy their life. I will want to be doing something. I feel like I want to keep working. I'm sure I will find something meaningful to do and that could either be in football still or away from football. I haven't decided yet. In a way, I'm looking forward to that part of my life as well. So if you did stay in football, would it be in coaching? Yeah, it could be. Me and Danny always talk about that. Maybe one day he wants to be a head coach, so I will be his assistant manager. So to be honest, that is already in our head. To be honest, I think we're ready now, because we have talked about it a lot. 
so if he ever becomes a head coach, I'll be the one next to him. When you do finish playing, what's the first thing you'd want to do that you can't do as a footballer? I think travelling. Travelling is something that I really, really enjoy. I feel like I want to go to one place and spend a long time there and get to know it. I travel a lot with the club, but all you see is an airport, a hotel and a stadium. You never get to experience any of those places fully. So maybe I'd like to take a long trip to really see somewhere. I don't have anywhere specific in mind to tell the truth. It would just be nice to stay somewhere for a month or two. It depends on my circumstances when I finish my career. I might have kids, for example, so that will change where we go. Definitely I'll go for a long holiday, though. Do you have an ambition of something you want to achieve in your life away from football? Not really something specific. What I would like to achieve, though, and it's something I do by myself anyway, is to try to change the stereotypical view of footballers. I want to help change that view a little bit. That a footballer can only play football and that's it. I feel like there's so much more to all of us away from the pitch. We have so much more that we can offer and give to society. We've always been restricted by ideals and stereotypes. So being able to achieve a little bit of change, not just for myself but for all other footballers, is something that would be very meaningful and great to do. Are you generally good at planning in everyday life and remembering birthdays and things like that? Oh no, I'm the worst. My mum does all that for me. You know, like Facebook reminders? Well, I don't have Facebook, so my mum has to do it. She'll call and be like, remember, you have to say happy birthday to this person. Even my close friends. She reminds me beforehand because she knows them all. So I'm very lucky like that. In general, I'm very bad with dates and stuff because I'm pretty forgetful. I guess I need to work on that. What invention do you think the world needs most? Oh, wow, that would be so interesting. I think I could have a five-hour conversation about this. But if there was something I could choose, it would be some sort of chain that meant that everything in the world was zero waste, a completely self-sufficient lifestyle on the planet. So we could get to a point that the waste from our food, from our clothes and the stuff that we buy can be fully recycled and the energy that we use in homes can be completely natural and self-sustaining. There are so many different layers to it in terms of different industries and food chains, clothing, transport, so many things. But if we could get there somehow, it would be incredible. If you are asking about a dream scenario where you could wave a magic wand to invent something, then this is what I would use it for. What country do you think you will end up living in after your playing days? Yeah, I've thought about this as well before. People have asked me this question, but I have to say I don't really know. I feel like I will probably end up living between two places. I think I will definitely have a house in Spain, but also I will always come back here, even if I end up in my career somewhere else, which I doubt, but even then I'd always come back. But I don't really know where I'll live, because, for example, I do miss a lot of things about Spain, but also when I do get to go back, I get to appreciate it a lot. I realise how lucky I was to grow up there. The food and the sun and everything about it. So since not living there, I enjoy the fact that I truly, truly appreciate it whenever I do go back, and enjoy it more than I did when I lived there. So to answer the question, I don't really know. Finally, 
you are told there's a spare seat on the next trip to the International Space Station. Do you go? Oh, hell yeah. I read something about when astronauts go into space and they get to see just how small the planet is in relation. It gives them a huge realisation about how small we really are. We feel like the world turns around for us, but in reality, we are just a small part of the whole universe. We're just a really small planet in comparison to everything else that's out there. So to be able to see that yourself would be just amazing. In a dream world, what would be your next meal? In a dream world, I'd love to have chicken wings that are not made from chicken. There are a few different options out there that are really good. But my mum used to make nice chicken wings and I miss that. New car. I saw this company recently that take classic cars and make them electric. So maybe something like a cool BMW M30 would be great as an electric car. Holiday destination. I'd go back to Cuba again. I love it in Havana. Trophy you win. Well, I'm sure people will say the World Cup or Champions League. But for me, it's all about the Premier League. That's what I want. I would love to win that for Arsenal. New teammate. Oh man, that's hard. In a dream world, right? So I'm allowed to choose Peak Zavi in his heyday. Fourteen times. Fourteenth top scorer. In August, we lifted the FA Cup for a record-extending 14th time. But it's not just our rich, illustrious history in football's oldest knockout competition that is synonymous with the number 14. It happened on the 14th. Swansea City nil, Arsenal 4. January 14th, 2017, Premier League. We moved back into the top four with a convincing win over a Swansea side who had previously proved something of a bogey side. We had taken just one point from our previous three away games, but the result was never in doubt here, ever since Olivier Giroud opened the scoring with a powerful header on 37 minutes. Own goals from Jack Cork and Kyle Norton in the second half, and Alexis Sanchez rounded off the scoring to inflict a heavy defeat on what was Paul Clement's first league game in charge of the Swans. Jack Lambert When Jack Lambert retired in 1933, he did so as the third top scorer in Arsenal's history. He has since been overtaken by several club legends in the past 90 years, but he remains our 14th top scorer ever for us. One of Herbert Chapman's first signings in June 1926 from Doncaster Rovers, his goal return was modest at first, scoring just 12 times from his 45 appearances in his first three seasons. But then he exploded into form, netting 82 in 101 matches, and was our leading scorer three years in a row. He scored the second and clinching goal in the 1930 FA Cup final win over Huddersfield Town to earn the club its first major silverware. The following campaign he claimed a then-club record 38 goals from 34 league outings, sweeping Chapman's Gunners to our first ever league title. Together with Jimmy Brain, he holds the club record of 12 hat-tricks and finished with 109 goals from 161 games. He left for Fulham in 1933 and died seven years later in a car accident at the age of just 38. The Arsenal Foundation. My story. The work of the Arsenal Foundation and the partners and initiatives it supports 
have touched the lives of a great number of people in a variety of ways. The Arsenal Foundation helps to fund and support North London United, a football club for young people with Down syndrome that holds sessions at the Arsenal Hub. Founder, Harold Bennett, 48, and from Tottenham, tells us about it. North London United came about when I was approached by a mother whose son also has Downs and was asked to start a football project for young people with the chromosomal condition. I did that for a year and then Arsenal in the community approached me to work in partnership. The rest is history. North London United deliver weekly one-hour football sessions to young people aged anywhere between 5 and 25. Sessions involve a warm-up, technical and skills-based drills that develop agility, balance, speed and coordination, and then we finish with a match or game-related activity. We also play friendly matches and compete in the annual National Down Syndrome Football Tournament with more than 20 other teams. But as well as play football, we help our members to develop new friendships, gain confidence and adopt a healthy lifestyle. I'm also head coach, so my role is to oversee the project, plan and deliver sessions, and also engage with the parents and carers to discuss how their children are developing through the project. My daughter plays too, but she also really enjoys supporting others who might be finding it a bit difficult. She likes to spend time talking with the other parents and carers and asking them how their day has been. She too has made new friends and grown in confidence. For me, I thank God for the platform and opportunity I have to impact the lives of other people and their families. As a father of a child with Down syndrome, this project has helped me to become a better coach, parent and person as I see the world through a different and clearer lens. Through Arsenal in the community, the participants, parents and carers and coaches have had the wonderful opportunity of attending matches, watching from the director's box, meeting players, taking part in campaigns that Arsenal support, walking out on match day at the Emirates, training on the Emirates pitch and attending the annual community award ceremony. We have been given the opportunity to raise awareness of Down syndrome in the wider community. Arsenal in the community has provided a platform of inclusion for people with Down syndrome to be recognised as part of their football family, and long may it continue. Samir and Luke at Arsenal have been a massive support. Like everything, football has two sides, and we choose to uphold the side that support community opportunity and hope. Meeting Samir and Luke has been a real blessing as it has enabled North London United to build the platform we now have. But as always, the real success of the project lies within everyone who desires and benefits from North London United's existence. Premier League, match day 17, 8pm, Saturday, January the 2nd, the Hawthorns, West Bromwich Albion, nil, Arsenal 4, goal scorers, Tierney, 23, Zaka, 28, and Lacazette, 
on 60 and 64. First half, riding high on confidence after back-to-back victories against Chelsea and Brighton, we made a bright start and never let up through this thrilling performance. With the snow pouring down on the Hawthorns, we were making all the running, but we were indebted to Lino for a key save to deny Matt Phillips. It proved a crucial moment for us. Less than two minutes later, we took the lead as an excellent Kieran Tierney raced past Damel Furlong before checking back and curling a pinpoint right-footed shot in the top corner. It was first of all of Tierney's own making, the second of more a team effort as Saka combined brilliantly with Andre Lacazette and an influential Emil Smith-Rowe round the box before converting the latter low cross. In the second half, West Brom had the ball in our net minutes after the restart, but it was disallowed for offside. Lacazette enjoying a fine evening's work then came close again and played through by Ciballos, but his shot was cleared off the line. But the French international did not have long to wait for his goal, and he converted smartly in the box after some good work from Saka. Moments later, he had his second of the night as a quick corner ended in Tierney, picking up Lacazette to fire into the roof of net from close range. Your Arsenal team are Lino, Bellerin, Holding, Pablo Mari, Tierney, Ciballos, Zaka, Saka, Smith-Rowe, Aubameyang and Lacazette. Substitutes Maitland-Niles, Willian, Willock, David Luiz, Elney, Pepe and Martinelli. Developing Strong Young Gunners In this issue, Young Gun, Jonathan Dinzee News. Omar Rekigs are red. Remember, Chris Willock. Stats, results and fixtures. Young Gun, Jonathan Dinzee. Talking to Aidan Small. Born, the Whittington, Islington. Signed for Arsenal, August 2020. Height and weight, 6 foot 4 inches and 83 kilos. Position, centre back. Boots, Adidas Predators ZV. School, Enfield Grammar School, Enfield. Growing up in a house full of gooners, it was always a dream of mine to play for Arsenal. I've got so many memories of watching Arsenal games with my dad as a kid, but I've got to give a shout-out to my sister, because she's the biggest fan out of everyone in the family. We're Arsenal through and through, so this makes my path to the red side of North London a little interesting. The reason? I was scouted by Tottenham as a kid, and went on to spend a total of 12 years there, so it's quite a rare journey, especially for Aguna. Everyone in the academy at Tottenham was great to me, and I've got some brilliant memories there. But when I left in the summer and heard Arsenal were interested, I couldn't believe it. Before making my decision to come here, I had interest from a few places, so I needed to weigh up my options. I went on trial at QPR and played a few games and I also had interest from Crystal Palace. But when I heard that Arsenal wanted me, that was it. I couldn't believe it. I was just so shocked. I'll never forget that feeling when I first arrived at London Colney. I was starstruck. When we pulled into the entrance and I saw the Welcome to Arsenal Training Centre sign, I genuinely felt like a kid again. 
In that moment, I was just thinking about how many top players have come through here and how fortunate I am to be in this position. Joining during a pandemic was a weird experience, though. It was quite sad, too, because when I came to sign my contract, my parents weren't allowed in the building. I know there's so many worse things going on with COVID right now, but it was a shame to not be able to share that moment with them, especially after all the time and effort they've put in to get me here. But overall, I've had an amazing time since arriving here. Thankfully, I knew a fair few of the boys before arriving, so I knew I'd settle in quick. I used to play against Reese back in the day, and obviously we'd play together with England too. I've also played with Eddie and Emile at England, and I've heard so much about Flo over the years. The guy just doesn't stop scoring. When I received my first call-up to the England team, I remember Tolaji talked to me and made me feel so welcome in the group, so I've always remembered that. I knew most of them already, to be honest, and since then I feel like I've become good mates with everyone. I like building good relationships because as a centre-back, when I'm telling them something, I want them to trust me, and if we've got a good bond, they'll be more likely to do it. It's the same with my coaches too, because I always want to be on the same page as a team. It makes everyone's job easier on the pitch. Looking back on my time at the club so far, I can honestly say that I'm so happy to be here. I work hard, give everything 100%, listen to the coaches, encourage the boys, even when I'm not starting. I just love being around this place. I'm learning every single day and I really feel like I'm developing as a player and as a person. And that's the most important thing. Rate yourself out of 100. Speed, 73. Shooting, 68. Dribbling, 70. Strength, 73. Passing, 75. Defending, 78. Jonathan Dinzei, Lowdown. Earliest memory of football. Watching the Invincible season on TV with my Arsenal supporting dad. Got me into playing football. My sister used to take me to the park as a toddler. First footballer looked up to. Thierry Henry. Favourite football shirt owned. My shirt from my first game for England. Favourite boots. Adidas F50s. Best friend in football. They're all my brothers. Best goal I've scored. I scored a hat-trick against Chelsea's under-14s during my time as a winger. Best player I've faced. Phil Foden. Best piece of skill I've done in a game. An outside flip-flap. Best moment of career so far. Signing for Arsenal. One stadium I'd like to score in. The Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Player to score a one-on-one to save my life. Robert Lewandowski. If I could change position, central attacking midfield. Best training ground tip I've had. Work hard and stay dedicated. My football memorabilia. I've collected things connected to all my achievements. Another sport I'm good at. Basketball. Favourite training drill. Attack versus defence. Ambitions for this season away from the pitch. To become more flexible at yoga and read more books. The important non-playing attributes for young footballers. Stay humble, be resilient, work hard. Biggest lesson I've learnt off the pitch. I'm able to adapt in any situation. Me, favourite footballer of all time, 
Ronaldo. If I could be any footballer, past or present. Sergio Ramos. Favourite follow on Instagram. Floyd Mayweather. Most played Spotify artist. Gunner. Favourite pre-match song. Wizkid. No stress. Best football attribute. Being able to lead. One thing I need on an away day. Headphones. One thing I want to win in my career. The World Cup. If I wasn't a footballer, I'd be an entrepreneur. First team player I look up to most. David Luiz. Players who shape my game most. Rio Ferdinand and Nemanja Vidic. Best thing about being at Arsenal. The players, staff and fans. Something not many people know about. I'm the middle child of five and the only boy. I have four sisters. Around the academy. We'll definitely make it. Miguel Aziz. Most skills in their locker. Catalin Sirjan. Best touch. Miguel. Most two-footed. Kido Taylor-Hart. Most committed. Tim Akinola. Captain material. Joseph Alou. Funniest. Kiddo. Most confident. Flo Belogan. Academy News. Welcome Omar Rekic. Omar Rekic has signed a professional contract with us and joins our under-23 squad. The 19-year-old has joined us from Bundesliga side Hertha Berlin. A ball-playing centre-half, Omar is comfortable on both sides and is our first academy signing of the January transfer window. He was born in the Netherlands and has played internationally at youth level for Tunisia and the Netherlands. Throughout his youth career, he also spent time at Feyenoord, Manchester City, PSV Eindhoven and Marseille. On joining the club, Omar told us how thrilled he is to be starting a new footballing adventure in North London. It feels great to be here after a long time of hard work, said Omar. I moved in three weeks ago and I've been in quarantine, so I can't wait to get started now. Why did I choose Arsenal? The warmth of the people and the interest that they showed in me. And of course, when a club like Arsenal is interested, I don't think anyone needs to think twice. As a young player, you need to play somewhere where they're not afraid to give you a chance, and you can see a lot of youth players have broken through here, and I want to be the next one. My style of play. I'm a central defender, and I like to play with the ball. I like to play out from the back, and I think this is also the structure of the club. It fits perfectly. I'm a winner. I always want to win. And that's with everything, not only football, ever since I was a kid. With Mikel Arteta, if you watch the games, he's not a coach who thinks quickly to play a long ball. Of course, when needed, you have to do it. But I think the style of play fits. At Hertha, I had a lot of experiences, good and bad. But I'm happy for even the bad ones because it makes you into the person and the character that you are. I've experienced a lot there. I had three good seasons there and I'm very happy. But I'm here now and I have to work harder and show them what I can do and what I'm capable of. When I do this, my qualities will show on the pitch and then hopefully I can get a chance. Everyone at Arsenal welcomes Omar to the club and we look forward to supporting his ongoing development. Ballard rewarded with loan extension. Daniel Ballard is set to spend the remainder of the 2020-21 season out on loan with Blackpool. The 21-year-old defender has been in fine form since joining the Seasiders back in October and he's since been rewarded with a loan extension.
At the time of writing, the Republic of Ireland International has made eight appearances across all competitions, helping the League One outfit to keep four clean sheets. Keep up the hard work, Dan. Academy Illumini Catching up with former Arsenal Academy players as they continue their pro careers away from Emirates. Chris Willock Chris Willock will be a name known to most Arsenal supporters and it's great to see him doing so well in West London at Queen's Park Rangers. Older brother of current gunner Joe Willock, Chris joined the Arsenal Academy when he was just five, and the silky left winger shone at every level, ultimately playing twice for the Arsenal first team in the 2016-17 League Cup and playing for numerous England representative teams. He also played 40 games for Arsenal's under-23s, scoring nine goals and making nine assists and in the Europa Youth League he scored twice and assisted four times in 14 matches. It was perhaps in this latter competition that his talents alerted Portuguese giants Benfica who took Chris to Lisbon on July 1st 2017. He excelled for Benfica's B team playing 64 games scoring 14 and assisting nine but couldn't break into their first team and went on loan to West Brom, then Huddersfield in the Championship, before securing a permanent move to QPR last summer. Chris has settled well at Loftus Road, and the 22-year-old has been a regular in the team, playing 16 times already this season for Mark Warburton's side. With Chris now back in London, only oldest brother Matty Willock is now outside the capital, playing for Gillingham in League One. Arsenal Women News and reports from England's most successful women's football team Anna's back Anna Patton has returned to the club after four years playing and studying in America Anna first joined the club aged 12 where she developed through our academy ranks making her first team debut in 2016 where she played every game for us in the 2016 Spring Series that season. The defender then spent two years at the University of South Carolina and a further two years at Florida State University, where she played football alongside obtaining a degree. After two years in Florida, the defender's education took her some 500 miles north to Columbia, where she linked up with the South Carolina Gamecocks, where she excelled, winning numerous individual awards. It's such an amazing feeling, said the 21-year-old. Obviously, I've been at the club since I was 12, so to be back and be able to fully sign for the team really is like a dream come true. It's a funny thing, because ever since I've left, really, I've been coming back, and joining the team in training whenever I could, she smiles. When I'd come home for Christmas, or the odd summer, I was able to join the team for training sessions. I feel like I've always been attached to the Arsenal family. When I was back during lockdown, it was then that I heard about the interest to re-sign me, and obviously I was so excited about that. Then I went back to America, finished off my degree finished off my season, and from there the conversations kept going. I was so excited to hear they were still interested in signing me. 
It was quite an easy decision to return home back to Arsenal, if I'm honest, says Anna, who won the Boilermaker Challenge Cup Defensive MVP award when with the Gamecocks. The team is full of quality, and I couldn't wait to be back. For me, my time had come to leave America. I'd graduated, so it felt right to come back, and most of all, to come back to Arsenal. To be back and be able to sign for the team really is like a dream come true. Manager Joe Montemuro is thrilled with his new signing. I'll always look for signings from within, and if we can promote players, that's what our academy is there for, said Joe. But also to be able to be creative with the signings and so on. We think that Anna suits the Arsenal mentality, the style of play we want. And the beauty of it is that we can work to improve her. It's not as if she's a ready-made player. There's still room for improvement. So it's exciting going forward for all of us. Everyone at Arsenal welcomes Anna back to the club and looks forward to seeing her development. Visitors, Crystal Palace by Mike Hammond Formed 1905 Nickname, The Eagles Stadium, Selhurst Park Capacity, 25,486 Honours, First Division Stroke Premier League Highest Position, Third, 1990 Stroke 91 Second Division Stroke Championship Winners, 1978 Stroke 79 1993 stroke 94 3rd division stroke league 1 winners 1920 stroke 21 FA Cup runners up 1990 2016 full members cup winners 1991 owners Steve Parrish Joshua Harris David S Blitzer chairman Steve Parrish social followers twitter 1 million instagram 1.1 million Facebook, 1.3 million. Premier League mainstays following their promotion via the Championship playoffs in 2012-13. Crystal Palace have not finished higher than 10th or lower than 15th since then. And the way the first half of the 2020-21 season has unfolded, there is every chance that they will end up in the same familiar territory come May. They were 14th at the start of this week. Three places but just one point behind Arsenal, having ended a five-match winless run in the league with a 2-0 home success against Sheffield United last time out. It has been a season of highs and lows for Roy Hodgson's side. Having ended the 2019-20 campaign poorly with just four points from the nine post-lockdown fixtures in June and July, there was understandable concern about the team's prospects for the new season. In the event, the South Londoners could hardly have got off to a better start. They kicked off with a 1-0 home win against Southampton and followed it up with a magnificent 3-1 victory at Man United. Unfortunately, though, Palace lost their next two games and have not been able to string two victories together since that opening double whammy. There have been a couple of memorable performances in the interim. A 4-1 win at home to Leeds in early November and a 5-1 rout of West Brom at the Hawthorns a month later. But those have been counterbalanced by some deflating defeats, not least the two in succession just before and after Christmas, 
when Liverpool blitzed them 7-0 at Selhurst Park and a 10-man Aston Villa won 3-0 in Birmingham. Interestingly, Palace's last six Premier League defeats have all come in games in which they have failed to score. That statistic also applies to 12 of their last 14 league losses. Furthermore, they have not had a goalless draw in the competition since December 2019, away at Watford. So, the message to opponents is that if you stop Palace scoring, there is every likelihood that victory will follow. But if they do find the net, there is a good chance they will come away with at least a draw. While the South London side's priority this term, as ever, is to avoid relegation, another objective must be to improve on their best ever Premier League placing of 10th, which they achieved in 2014-15. Given the congested nature of the midsection of the table, the South Londoners can feel entitled to look up as well as down as the halfway point of the season approaches. There are enough classy individuals in Hodgson's squad to put a decent run of form together, not to mention poach a surprise victory. But with their next four Premier League fixtures, including tonight's, all against teams currently above them, they go to Manchester City on Sunday before home games against West Ham and FA Cup third-round Conquerors Wolves, they will have their work cut out to improve their position in advance of a seemingly gentler run of fixtures in February. Mutual admiration. Kenny Sampson is a genuine club legend at both Crystal Palace and Arsenal. Part of Terry Venable's team of the 80s, who won the second division in 1979 and briefly led the top division the following season before falling away. Partly due to Sampson joining Arsenal on August 13th, 1980, after playing 197 games and scoring four goals at Palace. The best left-back of his generation, who earned 86 England caps, proved a superb acquisition by Terry Neal and provided consistent excellence over the next eight years, with his crowning moment captaining the team to League Cup glory in 1987. Kenny played 394 times for Arsenal, scoring six goals. Premier League record. AFC wins, 13. Draws, 6. CPFC wins, 3. Arsenal win percentage, 59. All-time record, AFC wins, 28. Draws, 14. CPFC wins, 5. Arsenal win percentage, 60. 3. There have been three red cards shown in this fixture in the Premier League. Two for Arsenal, Aubameyang and Arteta. And one for Palace, Ponchion. We have received 36 yellow cards to Palace's 28. 100. Ian Wright scored his 100th Arsenal goal against former club Palace in a 2-1 home defeat in 1994. It was the first time we had lost a league match at home to Palace. Scouting Report by Michael Cox Roy Hodgson rarely springs a tactical surprise, and while there have been experiments with a 4-3-3 and a 4-2-3-1 this season, including Geoffrey Schlupp, briefly featuring in an unconventional number 10 position, Crystal Palace generally play in Hodgson's tried-and-tested 4-4-2. There is, however, arguably more attacking threat than in previous seasons. Christian Benteke, a misfiring target man for the past couple of seasons and a plan B in the opening month of this season, has scored three goals since the start of December and offers a completely different threat to Palace's other attackers. 
Hodgson, though, may elect to play a purely counter-attacking game at the Emirates, which could mean a more mobile combination of Andre Ayew and Wilfred Zaha, although it's worth pointing out that the last time he used that forward partnership, Palace lost 7-0 at home to Liverpool, with Ayew twice guilty of trying to square to Zaha when he might have shot. Ayew has been struggling for goals this season, although his hold-up play and defensive work is always useful. While Zaha has been in excellent form, he's managed eight goals, only two short of his best-ever Premier League return. Zaha can play either up front in a 4-4-2 or wider in a variation of 4-5-1, which is partly why Hodgson likes Schlupp, who can play wide on the left or tuck inside into a three-man central midfield accordingly. He's often competing with newcomer Eberachi Easy, who has been in and out of the side in his debut Premier League campaign, but offers tremendous dribbling skills, and his delicious, calm, side-footed finish from outside the box in a 2-0 victory over Sheffield United recently demonstrated that he can score goals too. In central midfield, Hodgson usually elects for a combination of sturdy holding midfielder Luka Milovevic, who largely stays in position and breaks up play, and the more energetic James MacArthur, surely among the Premier League's most underrated operators. Jairo Riedewald is another option. He arrived from Ajax in the brief Frank de Boer era as a defender, but has largely been used in central midfield by the more cautious Hodgson. Chico Cuyate oddly has done the reverse. Known as a defensive midfielder in his time with West Ham, he increasingly deputised in defence last season. Now it's his permanent position. He hasn't missed a game and has only stepped forward once into his old midfield role. Gary Cahill, Scott Dan and James Tompkins have all featured alongside him in recent weeks. Nathaniel Klein has returned to his first club to battle with the reliable Joel Ward on the right flank, whilst youngster Tyrick Mitchell has come into the side in recent weeks after Patrick van Anholt's defensive lapses started to overshadow his fine work on the overlap. Palace have a reputation for being good on the break away at big clubs. They're the last side to win at both Anfield and Old Trafford, and haven't lost to Arsenal in their last four league meetings. My Arsenal. Name, Ryan Zimmerman. Age, 48. Lives in Tunbridge, Kent. Type of membership, gold. Why are you an Arsenal fan? Following in my father's footsteps, he was a season ticket holder during the season I was born. Incidentally, on the day I was born, we won 2-1 at White Hart Lane. First Arsenal game, May the 15th, 1982. Arsenal 4, Southampton 1. Paul Davis scored twice and we share a birthday. I remember sitting next to the brass band and going to the club shop to spend Dad's programme vouchers. Favourite Arsenal game? White Hart Lane 2004, domestically. But I love a European trip and Copenhagen 1994 tops them all. Favourite hangout before a game? We'd always head to the Woodbine on the Blackstock Road when we were at Highbury, but more often or not, me and my dad just drink a joy drink in Tunbridge or Leicester Square these days. We occasionally frequent the Highbury Library or the Compton Arms. Do you collect Arsenal memorabilia? We have a wonderful collection of programmes dating back to the 60s and signed photos that I was lucky enough to obtain personally at Canoe's Heart Foundation parties. 
What's the furthest you've travelled to watch Arsenal? Azerbaijan, a ridiculously crazy week in Asia, to watch us get hammered by another London side in the European Cup final. If you could erase one Arsenal moment from history, what would it be? Burkamp's penalty miss at Villa Park in 99. Can we just stick that one in the back of the net? Favourite away ground. Always enjoyed a London derby in the small grounds in the 90s. Cracking atmosphere at Loftus Road, Upton Park and White Hart Lane. Favourite Arsenal shirt? Probably my first shirt. I remember being the happiest little gooner in the world when I received that for my birthday. Your Arsenal cult hero? Should probably say Perry Groves. But Lucas Podolski just edges out Andrea Sharvin. Disappointing that he didn't get a proper run of games at the top. Best Arsenal goal you've seen live? I'm privileged to have seen many goals live, but it has to be Omri, skipping past four defenders and slipping the ball beyond Casalis in the Bannambao in a famous 1-0 to the Arsenal against Real Madrid, a team which featured Zidane, Ronaldo, Carlos and Beckham. Whilst watching the game, a £53 million haste took place in my hometown of Tunbridge. Teams. Teams. For Arsenal, manager Mikel Arteta. Red shirts with white sleeves, white shorts and socks. 1. Bernd Leno, goalkeeper. 2. Hector Bellerin. 3. Kieran Tierney. 5. Socrates Papastathopoulos. 6. Gabriel. 7. Bukayo Saka. 8. Danny Ceballos. 9. Alexandre Lacazette. 10. Mesut Ozil. 12. William. 13. Alex Runason, goalkeeper. 14. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. 15. Ainsley Maitland-Niles. 16. Rob Holding. 17. Cedric Suarez. 18. Thomas Partey. 19. Nicolas Pepe. 20. Schroeder Mustafi. 21. Callum Chambers. 22. Pablo Mori. 23. David Lewis. 24. Reese Nelson. 25. Mohamed Elneny. 28. Joe Willock. 30. Eddie Nketiah. 32. Emil Smith Rowe. 34. Granit Xhaka. 35. Gabriel Martinelli. 38. Follerin Balogun. 41. Ben Cottrell. 66. Miguel Aziz. For Crystal Palace, manager Roy Hodgson. Blank shirts with red and blue trim. Blank shorts and socks. 1. Jack Butland, goalkeeper. 2. Joel Ward. 3. Patrick van Anholt. 4. Luka Milivojevic. 5. James Tompkins. 6. Scott Dan. 7. Max Mayer. 8. Chaco Kuyati. 9. Jordan Ayu. 10. Andros Townsend. 11. Wilfried Zaha. 12. Mamadou Sako. 13. Wayne Hennessy, goalkeeper. 15. Jeffrey Schloop. 17. Nathaniel Klein. 18. James MacArthur. 19. Stephen Henderson, goalkeeper. 20. Christian Bentiki. 21. Connor Wickham. 22. James McCarthy. 23. Mickey Batshuayi. 24. Gary Carhill. 
25. Abaret Chiesi. 27. Tirik Mitchell. 31. Vincenti Gator, goalkeeper. 34. Martin Kelly. 35. Sam Woods. 36. Nathan Ferguson. 40. Brandon Pierrick. 44. Hiro Riedewald. Match officials. Referee. Andre Mariner. Assistant referees. Scott Ledger. Simon Long. Fourth official. Simon Hooper. VAR official. Graham Scott. Additional VAR official. Timothy Wood. The Arsenal Foundation. Helping young people fulfil their potential through education and sport. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Premier League, Arsenal. In our game, there's always room for passion. There's room for rivalry. There's room for emotion. But there is no room for racism. If you see it, report it. No room for racism. Kick it out. Tackling racism and discrimination. Download the Kick It Out app or tell a police officer or steward in the stadium. Acronis Backup. Cyber protection for your data. Keep your data safe with the most secure backup. www.acronis.com Future, forever faster, humour. Reconnect in comfort and safety. Fly better. Our A380 is back in the skies 
so let's get back to the things we've missed. Fly to your next destination with confidence, knowing that your health and safety is our top priority at every step. And we'll even give you free COVID-19 cover while you're away. Emirates, Arsenal official partner. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 